Well, I mean, if nobody knows who I am, then that's clearly a problem. They should all bow down before me. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Welcome, dear listeners, to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. This is Melissa, and I'm here with... Wendy! And we are here with a gentleman who's worked on Convergence for many, many years. That's true. And we have worked on Convergence many, many years, all three of us. Um, When we say many, many, how about all of them? Yeah. 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 And so this gentleman who's here with us is Eric Knight. Say hello, Eric. Hi, Eric. (laughs) Hi. See how I said the Eric part, but got the wrong word? Comedy gold. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Eric might also be known as... Good night, Gracie. Pedantic Eric. I am at Pedantic Eric. Eric. Yes, it's true. You can follow me on Twitter. I'll get two more followers from that, I bet. Mm -hmm. Ooh, snap. Somebody brought his vilification game. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Uh, You will get two more followers, and they will both be named Brian. Yeah, oh, good. true, because like 90% of our followers are named Brian. <laughs> we have yep. we have determined this scientifically. Yes, it was science. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so so we are drinking, you know, before we move, move on, we are drinking a lovely bottle that Eric brought with him. It's Mape, M-A-I-P-E. Mape, 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 Mape. It's got an Argentina thing going on. It's Argentinian. It's Argentinian. It is a reserved Cabernet Sauvignon. And it's very tasty, and I it's a in a very attractive bottle. Too. I do actually like the label quite a lot. Is that a monk? What is that? That that's elephant? an that's an Argentinian no. thing. No, no, it, it, no, I no, it's not an elephant. It's not an elephant. Well, I, I, I it if it's from Argentina, I would doubt it's an elephant. Sure, but it looks like know. an alligator-headed man. It could be that. It very well could be, and he has a snake <laughs> for one arm. Okay, that's exciting. Or possibly a USB port. But I like the minimalist. Art yeah, on it. it's, it's got. Nice. Oddly, it reminds me in a in a weird, and I'm not saying it's going to make sense. It reminds me of Klimt, just yeah, the random and squares and mm. the, and the there's but a really gold. spread out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somewhere between Klimt and Montreal. I don't yeah. know because <laughs> Klimt painted his squares to almost look like mosaic tile or overlapping. Well, and Klimt is on my brain because I did just go see Woman, uh, the Woman in Gold. So. Okay. Anyway. okay. Anyway. So anyway, mm-hmm. and, and it's a tasty wine. We were just discussing it before the podcast. It's yes. Kind of yeah. a little, a uh, little bit of a bitterness undertone. The, to yeah. It and... I, to repeat myself, since they didn't hear the the, the listeners. Well, yeah. you don't know. Hear. Melissa might just put it on a loop. Oh, yeah. sure. <laughs> just constant loop. And good, that, good that's call. That's the entire that's... episode. Oh, okay. So I'll just keep repeating myself. <laughs> okay. And repeating myself by saying that um, there was, I, I felt that it's 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 very smooth. There's a nice bitter sort of undertone that's not overwhelming at all, but it it, it balances really nicely in mm-hmm. my opinion. So it's it's and I'm I'm no wine expert, but I think it's very tasty. It also has legs. I noticed. Yeah, it it, it's right. got some nice viscosity going on. Hmm. 
Yes, yes. It's it's pretty to look at. Yeah. It's almost opaque. Yeah, it's very Mm. dense. Yeah, it's it's rich. Like Mm me. Mm. (laughs) Not rich, but dense. I get it. All right, so uh, listeners, we have invited Eric here tonight specifically at this moment in time to discuss something rather fascinating. Uh, Eric, along with John Grams, is one of the people who has been running the movie room at Convergence since the beginning. Since it started in 1999. Yeah. Yes. And the movie room called Cinema Rex. Mm -hmm. And it is a magical place. It really is. If you've never been to Convergence, this is not your typical convention movie room where, you know, there's just something playing and hotel chairs and a tv with an old vcr hooked up to it and and... sad lonely people wander in and out maybe they're Mm -hmm. snoozing no cinema rex they it is filled with couches and love seats and um they have a high quality a nice high quality system in terms of sound and projection 10 foot screen high quality projection uh, surround sound speakers and i mean professional quality surround sound speakers Mm -hmm. as well as a popcorn machine Yep, fresh pop popcorn, also a wide selection of candy and cookies and uh, and uh, fountain soda drinks uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you can just help yourself as an attendee of the con. And um, at various points, a somebody who's volunteering at, at Cinema Rex may come around with a tray of cookies and candies for you to partake of. Did you did you want a snack? It's um it's a lovely <laughs> not during experience. the movie. Not we wouldn't want to distract during the movie. No. That's, and then yeah. um and then oh and between movies it's not like the glaring bright lights come on. No, there are lamps, so it's very soft. It's very welcoming. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so. there's a marquee out front. Yeah, it's and, it's pretty yeah. much the shit. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> so awesome. Cinema Rex is amazing as only something created by two such detail oriented people. could be and these detail-oriented people take the theme each year and they don't just pick a random amount of movies and go there that's good oh no there's a process one could say we agonize (laughs) yeah i think that's probably a pretty good verb yeah it's like how some people agonize over you know doing a mixtape or mix cd as they call them nowadays uh you know as the kids they have to flow properly Mm -hmm. together and and all that actually the kids these days it's just a playlist oh god and then they listen to on random and so like the the carefully crafted order that you put in there is just shit doesn't mean shit anymore shit on Mm. Mm. um yeah, well, so when we started, it was it was John and I and our friend Svee, yes. as you both know. Hey, Svee! Um, that we were the three heads of Cinemarex, and over the years, there's been some shift and change, and uh, Svee stopped being a head, a co-head many, many years ago, but still helps out every year. And uh, we have two other people who have stepped up. Michael McDonald is uh, one of the other heads, uh, and then... You can John- call him Ted... I'm so confused. I call Michael Ted. You do? Yeah. Why? Because he looks like Ted Raimi. Okay. <laughs> ask him. He'll I, tell you when I he calls me Ted. Believe, I, I have no doubt. I, I don't need to ask him. I mean, <laughs> you said it. I believe you. Did, doesn't he look a little bit like Ted Raimi? Yeah. A little, yeah. yeah. See? Okay. okay. So so Ted Raimi helps with the movie. Yeah. Room. Ted Raimi. Yes. He, yes. Yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, John's wife, Ainsley, is also uh, the fourth co-head now. And so the four of us kind of wrangle and watch a whole bunch of movies and start getting... So the, the process in... In, you know, just broad strokes is that uh, usually the year before at the convention, we um, 
we have the comment sheets, comment card type sheets that we put outside the film room. And one of the things on there is, you know, what movies would you like to see in Cinema Rex for next year's theme? And so we get a lot of suggestions from people there. And these days with social media, of course, on geek-oriented or specifically convergence-oriented groups on Facebook, there will be discussions of what movies or TV or books do you think are pertinent to next year's theme? And mm -hmm. then people throw out all sorts of suggestions, a lot of which are not really thematic, but I'll get to that in a moment. Um, <laughs> and, and especially this year. Anyway, you know, I agree with you. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, so getting into, you know, like fall into winter, our general approach is to try to watch as many of these films as we can, even if we've seen them before, if you haven't seen the film in the last few years, things can sneak up on you. Like, oh man, I don't need to rewatch that movie. That movie's so great. And then you watch it in Cinema Rex and you hadn't seen it in 18 years and you go, oh, I might not have scheduled this after all. You know, that's <laughs> that's happened a couple of times, to be honest. Um, not, you know, not like terrible choices, but just... This is good, but that other movie would have hold been up better. As, it doesn't hold up as well as I thought or not quite the right vibe right. for the or convention. We've had other podcasts where we've discussed going back to beloved films of our childhood and finding out they're kind of rapey. <laughs> Ooh, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh, Ick. yeah. Oh, yeah. That Darth Vader mask in the bouncy castle. Oh, in the Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. Exactly what you're talking about, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I listened to that episode. Oh. Um, but yeah, so so we do that. And then um, usually around late winter, we are now we're usually trying to actually we've, we've started weeding things down from the list of things that we thought of and were suggested by other people and trying to get it down to a, a manageable number, which is about how many? 40-ish? 40, 40, so you try to get it down to a pool of 40-ish. Yeah. And how many do you actually select for the con? Uh, depending on the exact, you know, year to year. But it's usually, a, we usually end up between 25 and 30 time slots. Mm -hmm. And with usually one or two of those being things, a couple of those things being things that are not actual movies, but like Trailer Park, mm -hmm. where we show yeah. a bunch of upcoming trailers and shorts and things. And... um. Every year we do best of the Midwest uh, science fiction uh, okay. sci-fi yeah. shorts. Yeah. Anyway, so sorry. We end up with between 25 and 30. And then with a few reshows and things, we usually end up with around 23 to 25 unique films. On okay. The list. So you have to get to rid 25. of 15 to 20 movies. So yeah. We still have to take that many out. Yeah. So almost half. Yep. Yeah. So you, you ideally 30, 35 to 40 at that point. Yeah. And that's when you can actually start plugging some of these films into time slots Seeing what fits where, what's a good feel for this film or that film? When, mm -hmm. you know, what are what are good time? You know, because you don't just like like you said about flow. It's not so honestly. Unlike a mixtape, for instance, having made many many mixtapes and mix CDs over the years, mm -hmm. there is definitely a flow of. I mean, I have I have literally obsessively sat there listening to the end of this song into that song. What's it like? Well, that's different because you're listening to it. You're putting together something kind of like an album musically, <laughs> but or it is a compilation album, really. But instead, with Cinema Rex, there are not a lot of cases where we're specifically saying like, oh, the end of that film into the beginning of this film is going to be perfect because there's always some transition time and a lot of people are going to leave. Mm -hmm. It's more about the time slots and how they feel. I was right? wondering about that. Like, yeah, because... If you've been to Convergence repeatedly over the years, you get a sense of this is what Thursday 
7 o'clock feels like. Mm-hmm. This is what Friday 7 o'clock feels like. And this is what Saturday 7 o'clock well, feels like. Well, Thursday 7 o'clock feels like pizza with Kurt Russell, of <laughs> well, course. Of course. <laughs> That's a given. <laughs> now, for, I'll, I'll go on this yeah, tangent yeah. for a moment. No, yes, no, we'll do. come back. No. Oh, okay. No, okay. okay. Gonna, we'll we'll no, answer the first That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. So, so, you know, so there are a lot of things. Getting down into specifics. Sure, we'll talk sure. about your traditions okay, yes, later. Good point. Good point. <laughs> so it, what you're saying is that um, because you have a sense of the vibe of like, you know, that when it's about, oh, 10 o'clock on a Friday night, what the crowd is going to be hungry for mm-hmm. is going to be something like this. And so you wouldn't show like a romantic drama. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. That would just be you, you don't want something slow and contemplative at the 2 a.m. time slot. Oh, that's so true. Yes. <laughs> Harry, I'm looking at you. And, yeah. And we avoid... Harry, who scheduled Shakespeare at like 4 a.m. And oh. I really I really did want to watch it, but it was that was a losing battle. By the way, we have Shakespeare this year. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, that's right. I've seen your mm-hmm. schedule. Oh, damn it. I'm the only one who doesn't yeah. know. Well, I'm on pubs. I get I get to see Oh, this. I'm yeah. so... I got it. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm impressed by that choice. So um, we should... So, we, so we, what, yeah. I, just to extend yeah, one uh, little tip that leads to mind, um, we're driven some by, of course, you know, like if we have a guest doing an event or something else with people talking, like, you know, a live riff comedy thing, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, there's also just the simple fact that if it's, you know, they like we have the first film on at 10 o'clock, usually on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And we always want the first feature to be something that is more, much more in the family friendly direction. It just feels like the right thing to do on those time slots. So the animated, you know, the animated slash kid friendly films are really going to plug into those time slots well. And as a parent, I can tell you that Teddy has come almost to watch a film in Cinema Rex almost every year because awesome. there is one available and... And Chris makes it a point to say, hey, Teddy, let's go watch this film together. Yeah. Yeah. And the first very and for several years now, the first film on Thursday at three in the afternoon has often plugged into that as well. Okay, but I'm going to pull you back to where you started, which was sort of the flow of the year. So you said that after you watch all these films that in the winter, you winnow it down to about Mm -hmm. 40, 35 to 40. Yeah. Okay. And try and get to. So what happens next? So then we start trying versions of the schedule. And we put, we, you know, so you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this, this film feels good at this time. This one feels good at that time. Oh, do we have enough? Uh, you know, because we usually need like at least three, w- with a possible repeat or two, we, we need at least three or four of those first feature films that are really kid friendly, not just family friendly. Mm-hmm. Right. And you need at least a few things that are good early afternoon things that can be, you know, not, not necessarily family friendly per se, but you also generally steer away from, say, gory splatterfest horror at one in the afternoon you want right. to reserve that for at least at least late afternoon if not into late night depending mm-hmm. on the feel of the exact film and right the i mean convergence is an all ages convention and i really do appreciate not just as a parent but as one of the founders that we want to make sure that our spaces are welcoming mm-hmm. so you know, yeah, you could show something like that and just put up plenty of warnings, but it's also nice to just say, hey, let's just be aware of the fact that this is when kids are out and about and they might duck in and out. Yeah. Let's just be aware of that. And and, and granted, you know. Also, a, a, a 12... watch a horror fest at, at one in the afternoon. That's just not fun. What? <laughs> well, I do, but. 
That's just me. Yeah, whatever. You're always up for that. Sure. I showed Reanimator at 9 a.m. once and mm-hmm. <laughs> into a room full of people, and that was pretty awesome. Actually, that... Reanimator and Pop-Tarts. That could kind of work. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Anyway, yeah. you were saying. So then uh, you start playing with the schedule. Yeah, and you start, you know, and, and what we do also is... We start plotting out that, you know, like you start at three o'clock and the first film's usually either going to fit in an hour and a half or two hours. Next one's going to have to start at 4.30 or 5. And you move on from there. And So you do try to line them up on the half hour and the hour. Oh, yeah. Oh, most definitely. Like yeah. in the very early years, I think we had one spot that was like a 2.45 or something like that. And we've never done it again. Um, it, it, it's helped tremendously that we now are on a four-day con instead of a three-day con. Uh, it gives us so much more flexibility in you know, how we can schedule things and plotting out some of the double showings and, and all of that. Um, and we just get to show more movies. I mean, and with the amount of effort it takes to set up something like Convergence, the extra day is so, such a small amount of effort in comparison. Yeah. You know, I it's mean, actually, well, when we went to the four day con, what we heard almost across the board from departments is this is easier. I have more rest time between all the work of, of setting up and all the work of uh, tearing yeah. down. Oh, yeah. For a lot of people, that's, that's very true. Um, and, and also I, I, I love the fact that if I have a headache on Friday night and I want to go to bed early, I can still say, Oh, I can still party on Saturday night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but, uh, yeah. Side note, we've also noticed a very interesting shift over the years with that change, largely with that change in Cinema Rex, which is that it has become increasingly difficult to schedule films that draw really well for our last film of the night at two in the morning, especially Friday and Saturday night. Now, you can argue how much of that is because it's a big party con versus how much of it is people just get a little more worn down with the mm-hmm. extra day and dead dog, especially on Sunday night, which uh, for listeners who don't attend and convert attend, attend convergence, the dead dog party is basically the, the convention's officially over late afternoon on Sunday, but people stay around all night, hang out, socialize. It's just called the dead dog party because people just don't want to go home. Don't want to go back to reality. And they're just kind of, the, Still dead, having a, the dead dog a good time. has died, yes. honestly, yes. since we went to a four-day con. Yeah, yeah. it is It is because way less energetic. We we used to have people come to the lat. We would do the dead dog film, which would be a reshowing of something from the weekend. Mm-hmm. In Cinema Rex, we'd usually show it around 8.30 or 9, and it would be done by around 10.30, 11. And then we would show shorts and hang out and just keep showing fun stuff. And we would have... a bunch of people there till oh, yeah. two three in the morning oh yeah and now when that film gets done most of the people are just gone because with four days everybody's had their fill yeah they're 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 when it's running a three out day con, it's like i'm not ready yet i want more fun yeah. when it's a four day con you're like i'm good mm-hmm. yeah. one of the other big challenges and things that we it, it's a challenge but it's something that we really uh take a lot of joy in honestly well it's one it by challenge you mean one of the things that you oddly sort of look forward to because how do you make the puzzle work right one of them is take any given theme of the convention finding as much diversity as you can within and tangentially riding the fences of that the that theme you know mm-hmm. and it, that's something that we really really enjoy and so i'll i'll Go. Uh, I'll, I'll address some of this year, for instance. So this year's theme is no, dis- not yet. Why? Because we're going to finish. We're going to finish the timeline of the year, and then we'll go back into that. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Okay. 
<laughs> so you work on the schedule. Part of that mm. is the theme. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? Well, virtually all of it's the theme, really. But um, we 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 these days we schedule almost nothing that is not pertinent to the theme. Mm-hmm. And when do you have it locked down? <laughs> uh, usually sometime in May. Okay, so it takes you winter to May to keep, like, maybe watch, hey, wait, what about this film? Watching watch films, it. putting some more stuff. Yeah, we don't usually start smashing an actual actual versions of the schedule together till February, mm-hmm. maybe and then, March. And, and I'm imagining that sometimes you're like, oh, wait, what about this film? Let's right. look at that. Or we need another family-friendly. What about this? Yeah, or, and, and we'll go through. We don't have anything really good for the 2 a.m. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so, and then and then other ideas come up at the last minute or opportunities like, you know, like uh, several years ago, we had the chance to show Iron Sky, and which was yeah. fan, an amazing opportunity. And we it wasn't confirmed until after we'd submitted everything to publications. Oh. And so we actually cut a film and had it announced at opening ceremonies mm-hmm. and put flyers up as much as possible so that people would know that the 2 a.m. Saturday night film was going to be Iron Sky, not what's listed in the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, because that, that was the only way we could do it. But we weren't going to turn that down right. because Ooh. it was a big freaking deal to get a hold of that film and be able to show it. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that, that we do. So, yes, back to your timeline. So then we are finalizing the schedule usually by sometime in May. And uh, while we're in the, the, the kind of later stage of finalizing that that's when we contact the movie rights companies and confirm what our costs are going to be and if we can afford it which is of course very important because movie rights can be very expensive depending on the type of licensing and the type of event and all that and so depending on what we find out about the cost for different films there have been a couple instances where it was like oh you want to show that film it's going to cost you five hundred dollars for one showing for a room that doesn't hold any more than 120 people. <laughs> and, you know, our budget doesn't really allow for that. Uh, we not, you know, I mean, so, and so we have, we've, there have been a couple of times when we've had to just boot something off the schedule we really wanted to show. Yeah. And, and I seem to remember an incident with the Star Wars movies early on. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was 2001? 2001 or 2002, as yeah. I recall. That, it, it was and, really early yeah. in, in Convergence history. It was yeah. after Phantom Menace, though. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to show Empire Strikes Back because we had Michael Sheard and Peter Mayhew coming yeah, as yeah. guests of the convention. Yeah. And we wanted them to come and talk in Cinema Rex about, you know, the, their experiences and then show the film. And we did. And in order to get the license to show Empire Strikes Back, we also had to pay for The Phantom Menace. I remember that. And we didn't show it. We just had to pay for it. Yeah, I, re- I also remember that. I was on the board at the time, and I remember Tim coming in going, here's the deal. We have to pay for The Phantom Menace in order to get Empire Strikes Back, but we don't actually have to show it. Well, that's fine. Then. We don't care. Yeah, 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 as long as you don't show it. As long as you don't show it. Yep. God. Yeah, so that was fun. Yeah. Um, but, um, but so with that in mind, then we start doing more finalizing the schedule as we go along. We're not just changing one schedule. Like in terms of like the file that I use, there's it's literally schedule a B C D it's each time it's a, it's a, it's a new version and it's a new, new permutation so that we can see the difference and the changes. And we may backtrack and be like, Oh, you know, let's go back to what we did here on Thursday yeah, afternoon. You don't want it completely but erased. we want to, yeah, you know, we want to see the progression and we want to know in case you want to look back at stuff. And at the bottom of the schedule, a lot of the main contenders that 
didn't make this version of the schedule are still listed there for easy reference. Because if something comes up and we do want to make a change, you don't want to then again, go digging back through a bunch of files. Wait, like, wait, what did, did what we did like? we take out? You know, and you know, what might be good for that time slot? What's a good rep, you know, good one to swap out or things like that. So, so there's that. Um, by sometime in May, we are finalizing the schedule, working on movie rights, working on write-ups to go in the programming guide. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the little blurbs that hopefully will encourage people to come see the film or at least amuse us, if nothing else. <laughs> I always got amused reading those. We, we really do try to make them fun and engaging. Um, so, so we do, you know, we do all that. And that content is supposed to all be finalized by late, mid, late May and we get a little bit of a pass and usually have it in by around the beginning of June <laughs> when they're getting closer to the deadline. As I look at Melissa, he, he's saying that as he guide. sent, he sent it to me last night yeah, so I could yeah. put together the grid. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, so let's go back to theme. Great. That's where I was headed. Ha. So, <laughs> hey, I got you to finish no, thank timeline you. first. Thank you. Yes. We finished the timeline. Um, the so, second podcast will be useless. It's okay. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, so, <laughs> but uh, so we really enjoy playing with the, the concepts of what different themes are, what they can be. Um, so, for instance, this year, this theme, the theme is dystopia. Yeah. And so before addressing any specific films, I will go back to what you and I briefly exchanged about, because um, dystopia is not post-apocalyptic. No. It is a Venn diagram. There are works of art that are both. Logan's Run is a perfect example. It is, yes. Logan's Run is yep. clearly after some mm -hmm. sort of apocalypse that yes. destroyed the world that we knew. Mm -hmm. But it is a also a dystopia because a dystopia is something that looks like a utopia. Yes. Tries to present itself as a utopia very often. But... Right. The underlying truth is nobody's actually happy and there are things very wrong. So I know we're going to get a lot of Mad Max costumes this yeah. year. And but they there can is all die in a fucking fire. <laughs> no. I'm, not, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, oh. okay? I am nowhere near as rabid as Eric, no, but, but. <laughs> there is nothing about the Mad Max universe that remotely presents as a yeah. utopia. Yeah. No, that, no, that is, is so post-apocalyptic. It is so post-apocalyptic, and that's exactly it. Um, but beyond that... I, it makes me sad because I would love to have... A post-apocalyptic theme, and that would be awesome. that's entirely possible. I'm I'm guessing it would be at least three, anywhere from three to ten years away, because you don't want to do, go too close to this year with yeah. that theme. It's like how um, when we did creature feature and horror, we mm -hmm. wanted creature feature to not be. It didn't have to be horror. It could be yeah. lots of other things as well. Yeah, of course. But people immediately went horror and were like, well, we're going to have to wait a while for horror then. Right. But my it, well, but one of my immediate thoughts, especially hearing the creature feature idea being like any types of creatures, was like, yay, Monsters, Inc. Because that's oh, my yeah. personal favorite Pixar film. <laughs> I'm not arguing it's the best Pixar film. It's no. just my favorite. Yeah. Um, or, and know, I do think it's excellent. But, or, but you know, Godzilla. You yeah, know, which isn't yeah. horror, but it's it's a giant yeah, monster. Yeah, flick. it's a giant. Um, yeah. So <laughs> go go Godzilla. But you know, so so but within dystopia, for instance, there are a lot of dystopian movies that uh, 
are slow, mm-hmm. ponderous, oppressive, <sighs> depressing. 1984. 1984, which we are not even showing. Well, actually. because that's not fun to watch. Yeah, that's true. Not exactly. in the party atmosphere. And exactly. hell, after they remodeled the hotel, it's not fun to live in either. Right. <laughs> and, I, and to be honest, I don't, we have, and we have a few things on the schedule that definitely are on the slower side. Oh, yeah. Okay? No, no, no. I mean, but No criticism not, intended. Right. But we wanted to have enough variety. It's also, I was super excited in finding a few things that I thought were really good examples of like genuine family-friendly films that have an actual dystopian theme to them. So for instance, the Lego movie. Yes. Oh yeah. Super dystopian. (laughs) Yes. Okay. When I everything is awesome. Oh my god. I I halfway through that film I was like, we have to show this in Cinema Rex when we get a dystopian theme. (laughs) And then a few months later I found out we were getting a dystopian theme. I was so excited. Um, Also whenever you have an entire population chanting everything is awesome i feel like that's the moment you go we're in a fucking dystopia mm-hmm. <laughs> um also wally yeah oh yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. um which is again both it, it, dystopian it, it, and post yes. yeah because the yes. first half is one and the second yep. half is, yep. is the other um and uh the lorax mm-hmm. we have as well um so those are those are like the three really obvious like very you know, kind of kid friendly. Um, we're also reshowing City of Ember, which we showed I four or five years ago. Oh yeah, which is really is is also neat. I really yeah. Love the, I actually bought it. I just there's something very charming and engaging about yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's a really it's nice, a fun it's little a, adventure yeah. film, and mostly flew under the radar. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so branching out, I'm, I'm going to just kind of that's jump that's around the schedule. Saoirse Ronan, Saoirse. How are they? Sorry. Who names their kid something you can't fucking pronounce, right. man? Um, Gaelic people from the British Isles, maybe? Yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, I bet they can pronounce it. They can suck my dick. Um, in the in the slower, ponderous, or more oppressive direction, we have Gattaca, which yeah. is oh, such a good film. It's we so showed good. it in 2000, so it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, equilibrium. Has a lot of slow <laughs> ponderous, but then with the action no, stuff is, mixed no, in. No, I don't feel like there's a lot of well, ponderous. There's there's there's, there's gun kata. There's, there's gun kata, and then the rest of the film, really though. Well, there's gun kata, and then the rest of the film of like, wait a minute, how does this make sense? I love that movie. I love mm-hmm. it so much, but it does not make sense. It, it's, it's not so a glorious. smart film, but, no, but boy, it's fun. It is. And and true story about that one. Uh, our good friend David showed me that film. When it was new out on DVD mm-hmm. over 10 years ago. <laughs> David the Captain? Yes. And he was like, oh, you got to show this in Cinema Rex. You guys got to show this in Cinema Rex. And I'm like, it's a good film, but it'd be really perfect for a dystopian year. So when that comes around, I'm totally going to show it. Not knowing it was going to take 12 years or however long it's been. <laughs> 10, to, whatever. 10, 12 years, whatever. But, you know, but it's it's literally been, I mean, it, to me, it was not even optional I've held, been holding that in the back pocket with the rest of the dystopian options for so long. It's like, this is a given, you know? Yeah. Just so you, you must have like 30 lists going of if we have this theme, if we have this theme, if we have this not, theme. Not actually. Okay. But more specifically what happens is, you know, obviously the, what, what you guys know, and for the benefit of some listeners, the theme for the following year is chosen over a year ahead of time. It has to be because it's yeah. announced at con for the following year. Mm-hmm. Right. So we as ConCon members find out what that is usually uh, two to three months before the convention. 
and we're intentionally not really supposed to talk about it, not because it's top secret, but just we don't want confusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to you know? muddy the waters. Yeah. But from a programming standpoint where we sit, it is amazing how every single year there are two or three or four films on our list that get bumped and we bump it because, you know, that also works next year. Uh-huh. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events Ooh. was bumped two years in a row to finally be shown. <laughs> Not even kidding. <laughs> It was seriously because so what happens is is that as you're working on this year's schedule, you you can't help but also think of things that are pertinent to next pertinent to next year, even if they aren't pertinent to this year. Because you're in the middle of talking about films, and then you go off on a five minute tangent of stuff. Oh yeah, and for next year there could be this or this or this, and you start mm-hmm. making a brainstorming list, just cause. Um, yeah. So I, I've never gone out of my way to try and categorize a whole bunch of different films the way you suggested, Melissa, though it's an amusing idea. <laughs> well, um, it's in keeping with who you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm trying to grow as a person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, so Logan's Run's great for the, you know, this year, obviously. And then we are, we are showing that. Oh, um, good. Um, technically, that's a reshow from one of the earliest years. Um, oh, comedy is something also in going in a different direction, like dystopian comedy well lego movie has a lot of humor to it of mm-hmm. course um idiocracy <gasps> Yay! yeah so i'm just like and I, I was like this is perfect we have to show it it's yeah they, it, i'd say about two-thirds of the way through it gets just a little slow but mm. oh man it's mm. just there's just so water like in a toilet <sighs> it's got electrolytes they're what plants crave <laughs> anyway um so, and then, but we also, we're also very, con- so we're very conscious of like different styles of films, uh, different eras. We always want to have at least one or two classic movies Which thrown in I there. Which I so appreciate as yeah, a film yeah, lover. Yeah. Um, a perfect example, in the superheroes year, one of the films we chose to show was The Mark of Zorro. Now, this is not to be confused with The Mask of Zorro, the Antonio Banderas one. No, no The Mark, Mark of Zorro, Zorro is Tyrone, Tyrone Power. Tyrone Power from yeah. the early 40s. I love that movie. Yep, yeah, it's a fantastic film. And it's a Zorro film. There's nothing supernatural going on. It mm-hmm. is not technically science fiction or fantasy. Yeah. But well, let's yeah, see. Zorro's totally he, fucking superhero. He wears a mask and a cape and he hides out in a cave and he's a wealthy guy... Who like? Who, gee, where yeah. was Batman inspired from? I mean, totally. well, it's you between know. that and and the Lone Ranger. Well, sure, you know? sure, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so it was a. Uh, oh, it, I watched the Lone Ranger. And what was film, the recent? Oh, one. the recent one. Oh, not good. Um, and one of the things, like what when we mess. showed that, when we when we showed the the Tyrone Power movie, literally after the film, you know, we're changing stuff over and at the concession table at I mean, Rex, as we call it, and there were a couple of people who came. I was like. I never would have watched that if you weren't showing it. This is really neat. Like, mm-hmm. well, good. Glad you enjoyed it. You Excellent. know, that's that we and that's the that's one of the other things that we also try to do. Um, that makes me think of that is we try to really balance uh, a, a certain number of films that are things that maybe not everyone has seen mm-hmm. or not seen in a long well, time. You you are a group of cinephiles, mm-hmm. and part of your unstated mission statement has always been to offer education to say if you love if you if you say you love movies then you should see this as well yeah yeah 
Um, because very... I remember the year that we did Noir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Noir and was kind was... of a challenge, uh, I remember. And this was back when I was on the board mm-hmm. and we were still doing post-mortems at the con. Right. And somebody showed up at the post-mortem to complain about double indemnity <laughs> being shown <laughs> because it wasn't science fiction or fantasy. And I shut that person down so hard. Were you in the room? I don't think you were. No. I shut them down. I'm like, No. No, you need to stop right there. Double Indemnity is a fucking film classic. I don't think I cussed. Sure. I can mm-hmm. cuss now. Probably. Like, it is a film classic. And if you call yourself a film lover, a film geek, then that means that you need to be, you embrace things that are not just science fiction and fantasy, that you are a film lover. And Double Indemnity is something you should fucking watch. And had Double, in- Double Indemnity not happened along with some of the other noir films of the 40s, you wouldn't have yeah. Don't, you can't you have wouldn't Dark have City. Blade Runner and Dark City and some of these other things. Yeah. At least not in the form that they ended up being. It would it would have not. You know, th- th- I mean, there are re- <laughs> there genuinely are touchstones that I feel affect like what comes after. Absolutely. It's like saying any type of fandom. Yeah, our our focus is sci-fi because that's that's a gateway, but. We have too many people who love West Wing. We have too many people who love the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Mm -hmm. to say that you can only talk about sci-fi shows, sci-fi TV shows. That's Mm -hmm. BS because fandom is about passion. And if Mm -hmm. you say, I'm a film fan, I'm going to expect something other from you other than just, I only watch genre films. Yeah. I'm going to be like, oh, you say you're a cinephile? Then I'm expecting that you know you're Kurosawa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and... And, you know, coming from a different angle, you know, uh, one of the panels that I fought hard for this year was a Fast and Furious panel. And I had to fight for it because... I still never even watched any of them. Because, it's, because uh, uh, you know, the, the the person who's head of programming was like, really? And it's like, that's not sci-fi or fantasy. It's like, have you seen one of them? But... It's James Bond is huge with geeks. James Bond it's is huge with geeks. Technically not if, sci-fi if or fantasy. Seriously, one of the programming heads was arguing about it's not sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, I had can to, f- I, I had to fight for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you I'm know sure you who can. it is, but, but, um, <laughs> oh, but yeah, I fought, this, I fought for it. But this, no, no, no. Let okay, me, let me, uh, let, let me finish. finish. Yeah. Uh, let me finish. Um, but no, I mean, this is a major. This this is a film series that's making major money, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, and a lot of people um, enjoy it. Film lovers and, love it. Yeah. And so it's valid to talk about at this convention because nerds can be very passionate about this set of movies. So, yeah, I mean, I feel it's fair game. Okay, so, we're, uh, wait, the, wait, so the wait, other thing on. I was going to say. Hold on. Hold on. We, we opened what? another bottle. What? We I'm finished the... up. We finished up no, the other bottle. No, you bat. finished. I'm still we working did. on mine. He's Okay, he so we're 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 moving on to the show. <laughs> it is a Malbec. It is from Argentina. Rima. Mendoza. That's not appropriate at all, but I love Argentinian and I love Malbec, it, so I'm sure I will love this. Also, it has I'm, a horse on it. I'm heading up to the show. It makes me think of Bull Durham. Durham. Yeah, my friend. Boop. Eric and I have known each other for literally decades. Yeah, it's over true. 20 years. So back to dystopia for yeah. this year. Yeah. So, you know, there are some, I mean, there are some things that are more in the obvious modern direction. Like uh, I, I talked before about you do want to expose people to things they haven't seen, but you it's always nice to throw in a handful of things that are favorites or things that a lot of people well, have the, seen. And, and want, the, they will want to come watch yeah, in Rex oh yeah. in that setting. 
Um, well, familiarity, you know. familiar, yeah, yeah famili familiarity draws people in the door. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's dystopia. I hope Rex shows Logan's Run. I want to watch. I want to watch that with my buddies in Cinema Rex. Yeah, or even in though it's, costume. Yeah, even though it's recent and a lot of people have seen it, The Hunger Games, for instance. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, because it's excellent. Um, you know, uh, but also then some of the some of the things that are more recent that maybe did fly under the radar from for some people, like surrogates. One with Bruce Willis. Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. 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 You're you 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 have you have fake bodies that go and live in the world for you while you're in your PJs in a unit experiencing stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. It's yeah. super dystopian. Um or in time with Justin Timberlake. Did either of you see that? In In, in time. time. Yeah. Which, Came out in twenty eleven. Which one was Time, you you have you have time. <gasps> that's right. That's wrist. right. I didn't get to watch it. And I wanted yes. it. To, I wanted to so bad. Yeah. I, I lost track. And of it. It, it's not brilliant, but it is a solid film. It's engaging, and I think a whole mm -hmm. bunch of people didn't see it. It's like Justin Timberlake in what a sci-fi movie. No, you know, no, that's no, 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 I like him a lot. No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm saying like but I think he, that's how people that react not, to some films. They he's don't, not a headliner. He's not a headliner, and he's not somebody that somebody that uh, that geeks are going to go. Oh, if he's in that, I should go see it. Right, you know, yeah. um, the Maze Runner. Um, it's really, mm -hmm. you know, really solid. Um, again, you, you may... It, I haven't seen it yet. It's okay. on my list. Um, you know, I, so, it's, it's clearly a Hunger Games knockoff, just like Insurgent. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Um, Is uh, Insurgent on there? Uh, no. I did you Have you seen it? I did not get around to seeing that. No, wait. It's... Wait, what? No, I saw Divergent. It's Divergent. It's, sorry. Divergent. Divergent. I did Divergent. see that. Yes. It's solid. And it was solid, but like, eh, we didn't, you know, it didn't quite yeah, but overcome really, some of the others on really the schedule. Really a Hunger Games knockoff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's just it, like, oh, I know. like, I watched it and enjoyed it and went like, that was, that was okay. Wow. Good thing Hunger Games was there to help you have a plot. <laughs> yeah. But like uh, another one of the recent ones that, uh, that we're showing is God Bless America. Bobcat Goldthwaite. <gasps> Yeah, <laughs> and Melissa's excited. I'm happy. You Yay. saw that apparently. I did. I am a big fan of of Bobcat. And oh yeah, this one, this yes. one was actually. Do you we listen to when he's on? Wait, wait, don't tell me. It's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he's, he's so fantastic. bad at the so trivia, but he's so hilarious yeah. when he does it. Um, that is a film that we uh, had some disagreement about, and I was uh, hesitant to put it on the list because I, I, you know, I had. I, I like the film a lot. I like Bobcat a lot, but I was like, is that the right, quite the right vibe for Rex? And there's some violence in it that's like right at the beginning that seems kind of intense. And I wasn't sure if it would go over that well, but it has a biting social commentary yeah. to it about the current state of media and how people treat each other and all of that. And so, you know, we definitely, you know, decided to go for that. Um, the one of the one of the so I mentioned Shakespeare. Uh huh. <laughs> what are you showing? Titus. <gasps> The Julie Taymor, yeah, yes. because think about it is. Oh yeah, it is clearly a dystopian, vaguely Nazi-esque society. Oh, no doubt. Yes. So yeah, that was yeah. We're yeah. Oh, that's so hot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh, is uh, is Network on your list? No, it is not. Did you even consider not. it as a dystopian? I don't think it came up, and and it could have. And it, I mean, the the funny thing is the commentary of the media and news about that actually is very there's a, a strong parallel to god bless america mm -hmm. um but from a different angle well that's angle. what made me think of it yeah no of course of course yeah um 
So, but we're also, but another one that is kind of an out of nowhere choice is uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall. Good Not choice. out of nowhere. That's, well, I mean, what you say it out loud is like, well, of course. Yeah. 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 So, and, and we're going to have lasers. <gasps> You're going to have lasers? Yes. Oh my God. It is the, mid, it is the oh. midnight movie on <gasps> Friday and we're going to have lasers. I knew that. <laughs> I had heard that. I think it's so fantastic. Oh my God. Melissa's face is so, I'm so great happy. right now. I'm so happy. But I, 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 I'm so happy. Here's the, here's the funny thing though. When I, <laughs> sorry. Um, when I rewatched now, that. Wait, that's Friday night? Friday night. When midnight. did we record Xanadu? And Thursday. Time. Okay. Okay. So we have a chance. It's okay. just. I can't get as drunk this year at Xanadu as I did last year. Man. Well, I, I, it would be difficult to good do. Good luck, yeah. <laughs> the the when I, 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 I still let me say this, Cargill's though. fault. I, I know. Let, let, still Cargill's I, fault. I said this to a few other people. Um, when I rewatched The Wall for the first time in literally over two decades, maybe close to three, I, I watched it and I went, I, and I really thought, oh my god, so many people got high and went and watched this movie at midnight in the 80s and how did more of them not kill themselves i know because it is a heavy depressing mindfuck of a film yeah with really great music and, and uh bob geldof and bob geldof and bob hoskins and bob hoskins yes in a small part yeah yeah, yeah. so oh yeah. so are you recommending we get high on friday night because <laughs> i might know someone I, uh, I wouldn't i wouldn't recommend it i might know someone explicitly. but i clearly don't because i'm a law-abiding mm-hmm. citizen of course i'm just intimating things that are clearly not true um the I think possibly the oldest film on the schedule for this year. It was actually a little challenge, a little bit of a challenge finding like really older classic movies for mm-hmm. this year. Uh, so I think the oldest one is actually from 1962, which is The Trial. The, the Orson Welles, yes, 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 Orson yes, Wells yes, yes, and Anthony Perkins, yes, yeah. Oh, I don't know it this is, one. Oh. It is it it is an adaptation of Kafka's The Trial. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. Orson Welles going full. Kafka, yeah, and it is uh, bizarre. Yeah, you basically, the or, or Anthony Perkins' character gets arrested and put on trial, without ever finding out what he's on trial for. Oh, that's mm-hmm. nothing like what's happening now. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, <laughs> and, and, so you know, uh, dear listeners, if you're at Convergence, see it. It's yeah, it's it. That's at uh, five thirty on Saturday. So. That, that, it's a go. hell of a thing. Well, there you go. You go watch that, and then you're like, "Well, fuck that shit. I'm gonna go drink now." Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. Or you could watch the trial and then get even more depressed by watching Children of Men at seven thirty. <gasps> oh <Yay>! my god! <laughs> oh, Which slit. is such a good film. But this is exactly. Are you going to provide razors so people but, can just slit their but, wrists right, right there? This is, a, this now, is exactly what I meant about changing yeah. up moods and showing some lighter yeah. fare, though, in this yeah. in this theme. Oh, anyway. Children of Men is brilliant. It's fantastic. But, just, so are you uh, are you going to have instructional videos that it's down the tracks, not across the road? <laughs> uh, I I am not making or putting up those flyers. How do you decide which ones get a repeat? Mm, uh, They're awesome that... enough. No, it's trickier than that. Okay. Actually, so do you have an equation? Is Kinda. it like a length of time versus how awesome it is and how? Good oh, it you fits? mean 
Well, I think you mean two different things. Okay. I think Wendy meant repeat within the weekend schedule. Oh. And you mean repeat as if, if like it's been shown in past years. Yeah. So I will address one, then the other. Oh, excellent. <laughs> in the Yay, order asked. For I am pedantic Eric yes. and I have answers. So, Yay. Wendy, um, in terms of repeats, yeah, there is a bit of a formula in kind of what Melissa said, but in a different way, in that um, the first two films of the con almost always get reshown because the beginning of the convention, it's still afternoon, it's Thursday, a lot of people are still showing up, loading in, and it would suck to pick up the schedule guide at six o'clock on the first day of the con and realize that the very first film is something that you is just like, oh, I guess I didn't even have a shot at seeing that because I wasn't here at the very beginning, mm -hmm. you know? And so we all were almost always conscious to reshow those. And Sunday is usually out of the four things that get shown on Sunday, three, two, at least two, but often three or four of them are reshows as well. Um, we always have a difficult balance in that we want to reshow uh, probably around four or five things. And we've over the years always gotten comments that we should reshow more films and comments that we could, we should reshow less films. Which means you're right in we're, the sweet spot. We're kind mm -hmm. of in the sweet spot. We have yeah. a few things reshown. We give a few shots at certain films. Um, you know, for instance, okay, I didn't mention this, but we're showing X-Men Days of Future Past. Yay! Um, and that's being shown... Uh, I really liked that. That's movie. being shown Thursday night at 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. But then being reshown on Sunday at noon. Yeah. You know, awesome. so Very those are good. both... in the, So it's, you know, because like we don't want it to be like late Saturday night and then in right away again early afternoon the next day. We want enough time between those showings so that it feels better in terms of the schedule, mm -hmm. but also trying to take advantage of like the what we consider to be slightly lower rent spots in the schedule and that those are more likely to get reshown mm -hmm. um, depending on what they're up against or what else is going on and just the, the general feel of the schedule. So there's that. Um, now going to Melissa's, <laughs> uh, there's not an explicit formula. Okay. There has only been one time when we have shown the same movie two years in a row. Okay. Okay. And that was because for year 10 in... 2008, mm -hmm. we re-showed one movie from each of the past nine years. Ah. And so we had to re-show something from the year before. Yes. Okay? But typically... Which movie was it? Uh, I don't recall off the top of my head, honestly. <gasps> Eric, I'm surprised I know, I'm the worst. So, but, but, going, but going back... That was seven years ago. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, we're old. God yeah, we'll keep it. revisiting that theme. So... The, so old. Well, six so years ago. I drink because I'm old. Yeah, but typically, we want to have at least a few years between reshows. And that said, we don't want a bunch of reshows. Right. We don't want to reshow the same movie every two or three years. Right. You know, um, so I think it's common knowledge that Convergence sprang out of some issues that happened at Minicon. Mm -hmm. And way back in the day before Convergence, Minicon had a film room. And uh, I have fond memories of seeing certain films there like Heavy Metal Late at Night, mm -hmm. which is awesome. But I will also admit that uh, John and Svi and I had a sarcastic nickname for the Minicon film room, which was the Wizard of Speed and Time Room. <laughs> because in between every goddamn movie, they showed that thing again. And again, and again. And we vowed that we would never, ever show it in Cinema Rex. The dumb thing is I never set foot in the Minicon movie room. <laughs> and I knew what you were going to say. 
<laughs> you know, and it's, it's going to be the goddamn Wizard of Speed. Yeah, yeah time, exactly. It? it was just like, you know, someone had a copy of it and they kept showing it over and over again. It's like, yeah, you got to have more variety in that, people. Come on. Get, you know, it's, yeah. dead space f- in between movies is better than just showing the same shorts every single two or three hours apart. I mean, Mike come Jitloff on. wasn't that great. What? Yeah. <laughs> so it's true. Yeah. So, so that's also part of how we, we, we try to approach things and we'll bring things back. Like I said, uh, I think we showed City of Ember just four years ago, mm-hmm. which feels pretty recent to us now out of how many years of convergence there have been, <laughs> but it's very, relevant. it's very relevant to the theme. And it's, and this theme was tougher to find early afternoon, good kind of family friendly films mm-hmm. for. Yeah, I can um, imagine. And so that made that an excellent candidate for reshowing. Here's the truth. If it shows at Cinema Rex, I'm like, oh, well, there's something there then. Yeah, yeah. Because if if John and Eric decide to show something at Cinema Rex, one or both of them thought, ah, uh, there's something uh, really interesting here. Yeah. Well, or or Ted or Ainsley, to be fair. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. If Ted or Ainsley if... approached something and neither you nor John liked it, would it play? It can happen. It has happened. But it's less likely to. Sure. Sure. Because, I mean, you two have been there since yeah. the beginning. But it's but it's it's also complicated because we're not a straight democracy because that wouldn't be fair if two or three of the people have much more similar tastes. You right. could always overrule the person who has different tastes and they're never going to get to show one of those films that you happen to don't to not like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's so there have been times where well, we specifically made those choices. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's it's. It's a semi-weighted democracy conversation. It's a semi-weighted demar- conver- semi-weighted conversational democracy. How's that? Yes. Okay. Uh, that's, that's what I just came up with. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I love oh, it oh, so this much. Is a, this is a perfect time for me to discuss Kurt Russell. Yes. It is. So uh, in the year 2000, the second year of the convention, uh, the convention, it's the only time the convention was held in a different location. It was in a hotel in downtown St. Paul. At the time, I was delivering pizzas at, uh, at Green Mill in St. Paul. And because it was closer, we thought, well, we should ask our management if we could get a pizza donation. Do a pizza party thing for one of the movies. And they said yes. And so they gave us like 10 large pizzas or something like that. And so the first night of the convention, Friday night, because it was a three-day con, for the third movie at 7 o'clock, against opening ceremony, we showed John Carpenter's The Thing. Yay! I love that And we served pizza. And we made signs that said, you know, like pizza party with the thing and, you know, stuff like that. And there was even like hand drawn little slice of pepperoni pizza with antennas coming out of it and stuff like that. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And so the next year we went back to Bloomington, but I still worked at Green Mill in St. Paul. And it was like, well, that's a bit of a drive, but it's like, well, for free pizzas, it's worth it. And I asked again and every year we keep asking and every year they keep Giving us free pizzas for the thing because it's, you know, a fundraiser for a nonprofit and all that. Mm-hmm. And we decided after that first year that we had to make it the annual Kurt Russell pizza party. So every year, the third film on the opening night of the convention, usually around 7 o'clock, maybe 6.30. Mm-hmm. But opposite of opening ceremony. Opposite opening ceremony. As an alternative for As those a, who don't want to go mm-hmm. or can't get in. Yep. We serve pizza. And so we've been doing this for many, many years. Now, the reason... Many, many being 16 now. Since the... Uh, this will be 17. Yeah. Did you do it the first year? 
Oh, you're right. Sorry, sorry. Oh, oh I out pedantic oh. Eric. Yes, <laughs> you knighted. knighted knight. Anyway, so so because of this, uh, two, three years ago, excuse me, three years ago, the theme was Wonder Women. Mm-hmm. We're like, and we looked at the entire list of genre Kurt Russell films, and there is just nothing that we felt had a strong enough female character. Really. To really be, yeah, well, we didn't want to show Overboard, you know. <laughs> oh, God, no. So. I so feel our, like Big Trouble would fit the bill. Yeah, not really. Uh, I, I like Ken Cattell's she, character she's, in that. She's fine, but it's still, she's still very, very secondary in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, no, it's true. So instead, what we did was we showed The Skeleton Key, featuring Kurt's da- stepdaughter. Oh, oh yes. yeah. 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 Goldie, Goldie's daughter, uh, who now I'm all of a sudden blanking on her name, and I can pick Kate Hudson. Kate yeah. Hudson. So we showed that with Skeleton Key is good, and it's really fun. Yeah, it really was fun one of the film. movies mm-hmm. I almost I know. showed you. Yeah, I know. Um, we showed Seven, another perfect Ooh. example of like, man, fantastic bad guy. It's not technically genre, but so many people, so many geeks, are you know love Fincher, and it's such a strong movie. Yeah. Well, and again, I don't give a fuck about it being genre. Is it a good movie? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, but we if we had too many sure. non-genre films, oh, that yeah. would be a problem. But sprinkling a couple in here and there is not a problem because if it fits the theme, great. We're showing good films and it's fun to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 101 Dalmatians. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 Yes. Uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Oh, yeah. Um, Star Trek II. Rebecca. Oh, 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 by the way, this is so fun that year. I did not work. I did not work that shift. I worked the fil- the one right after it. So I w- I came up and I'm walking up to Cinerex and I'm hanging out outside waiting for the film to get done so I can then go in and help with the transition. Uh-huh. The film gets done, and one of the people who comes walking out is Emily Higgins, teenage filmmaker yeah. uh, who's been a guest at Convergence, former guest of honor, former Convergence. former guest of honor at Convergence, and I was like, oh hey Emily, and she's like. I hadn't seen that before. It was so good. Are you Yay! kidding? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 like somebody I told that to was like, how has she not seen that? I'm like, she's like 17. Give her a break. She can't yeah. see everything. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. She's is only had so much time. When you I realize know. that there are people now who are alive, who love movies, who want to immerse themselves, and yet they're only 20 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. They haven't had time to watch all these movies, and you realize, oh my God, you've you've never seen that. There right. are there are people who and have never the, seen Star Wars. Yes, at the time. That's crazy to me. I know, I know, I know. right? But there, there are, but you know, when when she saw that, the film was twenty eight years old. Okay, mm-hmm. so now think about that, because when that film came out, a twenty eight year old film was from nineteen fifty four. That's so crazy. I know. It's it's yeah. I, think I, about, I feel super old now. Eric. I know. I know. But I feel. I, but I, seriously though, I have the same thing when I think about things that I saw. You know, in the seventies. You know, these are these are films that are like forty years old now. Yeah. And the forty year old films in the seventies were from the fucking thirties. Yeah. Pre World War Two. Mm-hmm. That's just insane. <laughs> but the one that's a story, uh, we showed Old Boy. Oh, oh God! Okay, we showed that at midnight on Saturday. Okay, good choice. Yeah. Now, now you should not. Ainsley watch, and I. That were, is not a movie you should wander into on a, on a 
like unawares. Even yeah. more so. Ainsley and I had both seen the film because I saw it at Buttonamathon. It's the one year I was at Buttonamathon yeah. mm-hmm. when you got married. Mm-hmm. And was that the year I got married? That's the reason I was at Buttonamathon that year. Yeah, because Harry took a bunch pity of us... on everybody. No, it's just you. it was that long yeah. ago, and also the year I got married was the year of Old Boy. That's fucked up. So I had seen it, but it had been many years, and Ainsley had seen it and thought it was really good. John took our word for it that it was a good film, which it is a really good film. Yeah. It's a great film. Um. But it's disturbing as fuck. Right. And so John, I was not there, but John and Ainsley wa- uh, worked that shift together. Did nobody rewatch it? No. Oh, God. Oh, God. This is why we now wa- rewatch virtually every film. <laughs> oh, old boy, it's brilliant. It's so good. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Okay. What happened? Nothing specific happened. It's just like when some of the really disturbing fucked up stuff happens you can just tell the vibe in the room it it's it it just like you're you you suddenly go we shouldn't have shown this mm-hmm. you know and then and, and and a parallel that isn't quite as bad so i felt is not on that level pan's labyrinth yeah we've shown uh, we showed it a couple of years before that, I think. And it's fantastic. Or maybe even the year before this. It, fantastic film. But there's one particular scene in there that is really pretty brutal. When mm-hmm. that officer is using a wine bottle mm-hmm. to bash the guy in the face. Mm-hmm. And that is a very intense and very raw, brutal scene. It is not Splatterfest at all. No. It is... You feel it. Yeah. it you know, and and I do remember... Seeing that scene in Rex and going, hmm, I wonder if we should. But the rest of the film is, it, that scene is still not as bad as some of the things in Old Boy. Right. And uh, the whole f- mood of the film in general works works really well. And so it, it you know, it just. Yeah, Old Boy works in the context of Butnemathon. I don't know that it works in the context of anywhere we, else. We, we should not have, well, I mean, other than watching it on your own when you're in the right mood for something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's so, brilliant. It's it's yeah. really brilliant. It's You should see it. Yeah. It's amazing. I don't yeah. know that I ever need to watch it again. Yep. 2009 uh, was comedy. Yay. So we had stuff like Fright Night. Yay. They Live, Galaxy Quest, uh, Mystery Men, Last Action Hero, The Apple. Yay! That was such a fun shift. Oh my god, Rex. the apple! Oh, I, had so I love how that. the apple. Speaking uh, of the apple, you shouldn't have shown it in comedy. You should have waited for dystopia. Oh god! <laughs> oh, it was on the list. It was a serious contender for this year. It honestly yes! was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it oh. is a dystopian society, no question. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just oh, it god. just didn't quite make the, the cut. I mean, and in fact, I, yeah. I love but, how yeah, the apple so. took convergence by storm that year because oh, yeah. that was the one that was requested back. Uh-huh. On Sunday, night. it was yes, it was so much fun. Yeah, oh yeah. God, yay! Yep. And and who was it who made the bim marks for everybody? One of our, I don't know, somebody in my group of friends. It might have oh. been Pat Harrigan. I'm not sure. Who's the former guest of your podcast, Pat yes. Harrigan? Yes, it's true. <laughs> yep. yep. He's a repeat offender. In fact. Like, so talk to me about the traditions of Cinemarex. Like yeah. one of the traditions is there's always the Kurt Russell pizza party. Yeah. Are there others? <sighs> That's really the biggest one. Um, in the early years, something that we did for, we did this just for a handful of years and it, it petered out for uh, hopefully obvious reasons. Uh, the first year we showed uh, 
a film called Baffled. Okay. Which I think is technically an early 70s TV movie. Okay. It's one of the rare exceptions to the, you know, like normally we are very specific about showing movies. Right. Not television. TV movie is still television. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was the first year and it's something we could get for cheap or free at the time. And it stars Leonard Nimoy as a paranormal reporter who's gone over to the UK to research some weird psychological phenomenon and he drives a sports car and has a ascot scarf around his neck and says things like you're a groovy chick and it just it just seemed like a fun you know goofball thing to show and we labeled it Star Trek Actor Theater (laughs) I remember this yeah wow and so then the next year we showed Kingdom of the Spiders with William Shatner also from the 70s not Incubus hmm? not Incubus (laughs) not we showed that later oh you did yeah oh Bravo. Yeah, we showed that a year or two later. Um, movie in Esperanto, yep, dear listeners. Yep, the only full-length movie ever shot in Esperanto yeah. at the time that I recall um, when we showed it. Uh, and so for a handful of years, we did Star Trek actor theater. But the amount of genre not just showing a Star Trek movie... Like, we felt Star Trek was cheating. Yeah. I mean, it, it's showing like a Star easy. Trek movie and saying, oh, it's Star Trek actor theater, it's like... It, well, what? Whatever. So we, we quickly ran out of things that were worth showing because then we watched some other things like what's the film that Walter Koenig was in, like Moon Base something or whatever. I don't know. Or, uh, oh, but yeah. it's not good. It, it's no. shit. In fact, we even, for the Alice in Wonderland year, we really wanted to show Night of the Lepus with DeForest Kelly, which is about a bunch of giant killer bunnies. Mm hmm. And it was perfect for the theme. And we watched it. We're like, oh, this is so slow and boring. It is. And we did not. And we didn't show it. I I adore Night of the Lepus. It's not not fast paced. It's not even medium paced. Mm -hmm. It is slow. Yeah. (laughs) By God, the miniature effects are great. Well, there was one, the, the best thing in the also, whole movie. Also, dear listeners, there are rabbits with, like, blood smeared on their faces. So cute little bunny with the little twitchy nose with blood. And then, and the scenes yeah. where they're running in slow motion, to they're, they're doing yeah. it in slow motion to try and make it look like they're big and lumbering. Yeah. And it just looks like slow motion footage of rabbits running. Yeah. <laughs> through, through a little miniature set. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it's a miniature trailer home next to the, you know. And, or But the, the actually, the one really funny thing in the film is when there's a person trying to fend off a rabbit attack who's kind of facing the camera and, and a furry arm swipes at him and he dodges it. And it's so clearly a human arm wrapped in fur. Yes. And, it's, yes. and it, was, it was laugh out loud funny, but oh, most of the hilarious. film is boring. Yeah. So we just couldn't do it anyway. So, yeah. So that's... Um, it, and then that we don't have a lot of... I mean, then the, like I said, there was the... In the earlier years, the, the dead dog was a much bigger tradition of people hanging around for a long time, watching mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff. And, and, but that's that we still do a dead dog movie, but it's not the same, you know, not the same vibe that it used to have. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, the, well, I well, remember, but... I remember hanging around to like three, four in the morning and then eventually the comments box comes out and, yeah. you yeah. know, we're all like dazed. Yeah. And, um, tra- yeah. I guess you could say trailer park is a tradition because yeah. every year, one of our time, one of our time slots occasionally when did that too. start? That wasn't right away. Very early on. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it was the first year, but it's, it was pretty early. I want to say that started the year of the Four Horsemen. I, I think you're probably right. Yeah, yeah because the uh, there year. there were four they guests. brought a bunch of short stuff. Yeah. yeah, because there were four guests. We wound up calling them the Four Horsemen because they were together. They were they, a force of nature. Well, and they came t- together because they all knew each other. Yeah, because it was Robert Meyer Burnett and Robert Altman and Mojo. Not Altman. 
Robert Altman. Mark That's Altman. very different. Mark, yes. Mark, Mark Altman. Altman. Mark Altman, sorry. Robert, and, and Mojo and Darren Doctor. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so those guys, yeah, so those guys brought a lot of fun and short stuff that re- they'd worked on. And I that remember led the to, Ted Dog that year. It was yeah. just sitting in Cinema Rex oh, and God, watching forever. a random yeah. assortment of, and they're like, oh, wait, show this thing. Oh, we, I brought this thing. It was like till six in the morning. We yeah. got no fucking sleep that night before tearing out the next morning. Yeah. It was it terrible. Was, it was oh, awesome. Man. It was it was a blast, but I mean the, the the after effect was really difficult. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, but, but trailer park where we just show a bunch of trailers and upcoming you know like of of upcoming stuff with a few other shorts mixed in for the fun of it. Um, for several years now, we've been doing, so uh, there's a local uh, guy, a guy in the local film scene who is a local filmmaker. His name's Troy Lefay. Yeah, Troy. He's a great guy, and, and he's on the Conca. Mm-hmm. Yep, and Troy. Uh, every year at the convention, he collects submissions of uh, from the, the entire Midwest, the Upper Midwest, of uh, shorts that are science fiction or fantasy. Mm-hmm. And people submit this stuff, and he shows a whole bunch of them. And and he does like usually I think a two hour time slot in one of the panel rooms, like the AV room for this. Mm-hmm. And then he gives us all of that footage, and. Out of that, we kind of curate and choose what we feel is the best of those and show that in a time slot the following year, usually in a one-hour time slot. Mm, yeah. And so literally this year, it's 2015, but we will be showing best of the Midwest 2014 mm-hmm. sci- you know, shorts, you know, sci-fi, whatever the exact wording is, I forget. Nice. Um, but we've been doing this for many years now with him, uh, mm-hmm. I think about at least five, maybe six years. Um, and that's really cool. That goes over well and every year. And then you know, we tr- occasionally try to find other random event things we can do. And then stuff that ties into guests, like I said, or, or riffs um, by people. Riffs have become... Riffs are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Several years ago, um, Joseph Scrimshaw and Timmy Wren did a couple in a year, uh, a couple in a row. Um, we yeah, did a, they, a couple did in Highlander, a row. With, one of the... They did Highlander for one of them. And yeah. I, I forget what the other one was off the top of my head. And then... Uh, we had a couple of science-based ones with uh, Dr. Jim Kakalios and Bridget Landry mm-hmm. uh, making fun of stuff from a science perspective. Oh, when yeah. they did um, Mission to Mars. Mission to Mars. That was, the, that was the, the inspiration because we found out that Bridget had a burning hatred for that film. <laughs> Gee, I can't think why. Right. Wow. And so, so we, we did that. And then um, that kind of fell by the wayside. But then last year, uh, we recruited Jeremy Stomberg, Duck Washington, and Bill Steitler. And last year they riffed Xanadu, and this year they are doing Demolition Man. I love Demolition Man. They're they're gonna make fun of it. I love watch. that movie so much. Maybe our fun. new goal needs to be to have them always make fun of a film you love. Because Xanadu, I love so much. I showed up at Xanadu oh, in so my bad. Muse costume. So bad. Shut your it whore is so mouth. Bad. Shut your whore <laughs> Boring. mouth. Boring. It is not. Oh my god. That is a brilliant soundtrack. No, it is. It is a brilliant soundtrack by ELO. It is. No. It is. It's fucking pop gold. It is sing-along fucking gold. Everyone who listened to their episode about Xanadu and then decided that they needed to see that film... I want to apologize for Wendy and Shut the others. Shut your whole <laughs> mouth. Xanadu is gold. It's oh, Also, crap. Gene Kelly. It's crap. Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly's great. The rest of the film is crap. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a great soundtrack. No. I dare you to put on that soundtrack and not start to speed a little bit when you're driving. <laughs> like that, that soundtrack kicks in. I'm alive. And suddenly you're going like 68. What? I don't know why I'm going so fast. I'm just excited because this music is so good. 
Demolition Man is awesome also. <laughs> it, it is uh, faster paced than Xanadu. Shut How could it not up. be? Shut <laughs> up. Is there an animated sequence where they turn into fishes and birds? No. Then it's not nearly as much fun. You know, I, I, it's, I've been doing this obviously for a lot of years and I still love doing it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. And it's really gratifying showing movies, seeing how many people enjoy them, you know, getting those random comments as people are leaving of, you know, that, oh, I wouldn't have seen this. Like I mentioned about certain films or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just, it's, uh, it's also fun to be part of that bigger convergence whole, throwing an event that is attended by so many people. Mm-hmm. And has gradually drawn in so many people over the years. Well, and has helped define the Convergence brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cinema Rex yeah. truly does sort of define what Convergence is about. We do this thing, but we do it well and we do it, we make it special. Yeah. Yeah. Something that you expect at a con, but we make it special. Yep. Rex is awesome. We, we, do should, the do, we should do the questions we do the Because it's in the first one that gets played, is that yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. We should do the questions. All right. We need to give you the questions. Okay. Yes. 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 Question number one. Who are you? Eric Knight. Yay! And Eric Knight's last name is spelled like a Knigget. Yeah, Knight in well, shining armor. Knight in shining armor. Yep. That's so adorable. Uh, amongst our circle of friends, when somebody's pedantic, just say knighted. Yep. And it is a reference. When they pedantically correct someone. Yes. Knighted. Knighted. As like I what just you did. just did. <laughs> uh, Matt Alex from Vilification Tennis uh, came up with that. Oh, at really? Converge, at Convergence. Ah, of course yep, you did. He, he was like, this is going to be a thing. It's going to be a hashtag. Hashtag knighted. <laughs> you do that right after you pedantically correct someone. Well, actually, that movie came out in 1956. <laughs> hashtag knighted. <laughs> True story. Bravo. Bravo, bravo my friend. Bravo. Yes. bravo. All right. Uh, question number two. What do you do? Uh, I do a lot of things. Aside from running CinemaRex, my day job, I work for a game publishing company. Um, Fantasy Flight Games, which is based here in the Twin Cities in Roseville. Mm-hmm. Um, we're one of the bigger hobby games companies in the United States. Um, we release a lot. We're very big in the hobby games industry specifically. We do have a few things in bigger stores like Target and Barnes & Noble, but our focus is the hobby game market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I uh, work in international sales there, working with partners that do translations of our games. And I've been there for nine years. And uh, I enjoy it a lot. As a, as a geek and a gamer, I really like working at a company like that that is, you know, entirely populated by geeks and is, has a focus on something that I think really brings enjoyment to people's lives. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I, I really enjoy. Um, other things that I do, I've worked, the reason you and I know each other, of course, Wendy, and Melissa, you, uh, yeah. a few years later. But the reason I met both of you independently was at the Renaissance Festival. Mm-hmm. I've worked at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival f- since 1985, so this is going to be my 31st year. Oh. Yeah. Good God. Yep. <laughs> uh, well over half my life. Good grief. Oh, my I know. God. I know. I, hand to mouth. Yep. What the hell? Yep. Oh. Um. And I also do... And, and some... ironically, it, oddly though, I met you at Colorado Festival. Yes. Yeah. Because yep. yeah. Eric used to do the circuit. Yep. I was yeah. in, in the 90s, I was on the Renaissance Festival circuit. Yeah. And for, yeah, for about 10, 11 years, I you, traveled about roughly half my year mm-hmm. doing that. Uh, I also uh, do some random 
local comedy stuff. Mm -hmm. Most specifically, I am a member of Vilification Tennis, mm -hmm. which is an insult-based comedy show. Yay! Where people throw insults back and forth at each Produced other. Produced by be... Fearless Comedy Productions. No, 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 no. No? No. What? We're partner. We're not... Oh, pardon me. Part I... of. We're, My... We're... Part, pardon me, I misspoke. Yes, but we are, Wendy and I are both on the board for Fearless Comedy Productions, which is a comedy uh, production group that sprung out of, largely out of, cast members from Vilification Tennis and have since broadened out and absorbed other people as well. Um, like yeah, the blob. Vilification Tennis started at the Renaissance Festival, but now for many, many years has also been doing monthly shows at the Bryant Lake Bowl year round. Mm -hmm. uh, also performs every year at Convergence now for about seven years or so mm -hmm. um and uh and i do you know and connected to fearless and some other things i do a little other random improv and other things stuff around town big too. fun radio I've, I've performed in big fun radio fun time and double lined improv and and um oh by the time this goes up this won't be relevant but i'm just yeah yeah but i'm excited for the next vilification tennis show but it's going to happen the weekend before convergence so this mm -hmm. will have this will have happened in the past. And you're a master costumer. Yeah. Oh, so I used to I used to sew professionally on the Renaissance Festival circuit, and I've made many costumes for masquerades at conventions over the years. Uh, it's been a lot of years since I've done it because I'm just gradually busier and busier all the time. But I've done some some fun stuff in the past with that as well. I seem to remember you making costumes for a certain inflatable dinosaur. Uh, named Rex? Named Rex! Namesake of the <laughs> aforementioned Cinema Rex movie yes. room? What's yes! What's it like to sew for a beast that you have to be very careful when you pin it on? <laughs> uh, you do it carefully. Very, it's, it, the, the bigger carefully. challenge is, you know, dear, dear making is pattern making. Uh -huh. The best, the best one was way back in the Minicon days because Minicon happened on Easter weekend. We did a costume of Rex as the Easter Bunny, and oh. our version of Rex as the Easter Bunny was Rex tied to the front of John's chest. <laughs> and I made a fake fur pastel fake fur costume that covered the both of them, with Rex's face sticking out the front, <laughs> with pipe cleaner whiskers and buck teeth, and and so the way we made this literally was. Rex was tied to the front of John's chest and was hunched over slightly. And for the at least an hour, I was just pinning fabric, oh, draping and pinning the fabric <laughs> over the two of them. Standing in this position, his back was so sore. Oh. Well, yeah, because yeah. there it's like you can't make a pattern yeah. for that. Yeah. I need you to just stand there and yep. let me pin And I'm going to pin shit around you. Yep. And so I pinned stuff all, all the way around and I made this big drapey thing that hung over them and then made legging covers for his legs sticking out of the bottom. And the in the top, we made bunny ears out of two uh, uh, wire hangers bent into diamond shapes that stuck out of a plastic cool whip container <laughs> hidden underneath the fa the fabric um it was it was amazing it was amazing and it was so stupid looking which is exactly what we wanted it was a blast dear listeners for in your catalog of things nerds do <laughs> make costumes for inflatable dinosaurs multiple times precisely also oh, use Jesus. things not for their intended purpose oh yeah 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 so i i i specifically remember a, a reconstruction of the whole scene from the Matrix. It, the, no, 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 no. Well, The Matrix was pretty great, too, but that, that Star Trek scene. Arena. On, Arena. Arena. Yeah, Arena. With the Gorn. With the Gorn. Yep. And, and Rex, Rex is the Gorn. Is the Gorn. Which is perfect casting. <laughs> and 
you yep. put the little yeah. the little sparkly eyes on him. Yep. I remember that. I cried. I was, was laughing so hard. It was a blast. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yep. Oh, that was brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, question number three. If... <laughs> Melissa, for the love of God, don't edit that silence out. No, I, I want that it. pause there. I'll leave it. I'll leave it. Shh. I thought you were Shh. waiting for her to speak up. No, no. I just lost. Oh, man. I was like, wait, which one's three? Which one's four? Um, okay. So if in Xanadu, Kublai Khan did, a cre- did decree a pleasure dome to your specifications, what would be in your personal pleasure dome? Sarah Silverman. so you know how people joke about you know well some people joke and some people don't i think but i think more people joke about uh having a list Mm -hmm. a a free list with their partner that if that person ever actually wanted if this famous person ever actually wanted to sleep with me i could and there would be no relationship ramifications or punishment or nothing held over my head right this is your freebie yeah if that person said i want to sleep with you of course these three people or these five people okay sarah silverman is my list (laughs) the entire list i mean technically there are a few others i would put on the list but she oh my god first of all I, I I have a I have an, I a very strong fondness for brunettes, mm-hmm. and yes. she's uh, very pretty in that specific kind of brunette way that I dig, and she is just so heinously offensive and fucking funny to me <laughs> that it is like she is just the perfect crossover of dark haired, cute you know looks with. The just offensive comedy I want. It's, it's oh my, yes. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, question number four um, make a recommendation for our communal pleasure dome. Something you've found recently that you can recommend to the general populace. Well, anything. It could, I know. Food, I know. Clothes, yeah, yeah. anything. Well, it's, it, it, it's not recently per se, but it, this is something that I'm very uh, fervent about. Um, so, my favorite donuts are old-fashioned donuts. Okay, two good donuts. Okay? Now you're going to make me stop. Are those, the, are those the cake-like ones? They're the cake-like ones, but they're the cake-like ones that, are that have that... fried with the crunchy... The, with the sort of crackly texture on top. Okay, okay, got okay? it. Now... I'm going to stop at the grocery store I'm gonna go gonna go very, because but, of you. But more specifically, okay, Cub, actually, I think, certain locations of Cub have among the best old-fashioned donuts in town. Oh. oh. Yes, particularly the Midway Cub. Okay. Okay? Oh, okay. Because they make them so they just have a lot of that crackly goodness and texture on top and that split thing going on around the top of them. Okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I recently... So the Midway in St. Paul is, where, of course, what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, last fall... Uh, I moved from uh, St. Paul to Northeast Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. So now the closest cub to me is the quarry. Yeah. They need lessons. Oh, God. They're they're old-fashioned donuts. They almost just look like a round tube inner shape. No, they they are not crackly at all. They are really disappointing. I, I just, I walk by... Caitlin, Caitlin makes my my wife. She makes fun of me when I do this every fucking time we walk by because I walk by the you know the, you do the circle you do the you circuit of the store you, yeah you, you you know you, you produce and then work your way through and I walk by and I just shake my head and she's like yeah of course yeah I know you know like, 
like, ah. but I always have to look just in case. What if somebody came? What, what if, if somebody a figured it out? What, what if, if something? Like, and I don't know. I don't know if it's like if there's an actual slight difference in the recipe that they're using, or if there's like a technique thing of you, temperature. Have or, you written a comment I, I haven't, card? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't because to be blunt. There's part of me that's almost relieved that they don't make them great at that one because that's the cup I go to all the time and I'd be more tempted to buy them. I know. Uh, I see. So, so it is, it's a double-edged sword, really. I understand. Yeah. I understand. So yes, that's my right. But, but so chocolate okay. frosted old fashioned donuts. Okay. Um, and Spe- they also. Specifically from the Midway Cub. The Midway Cub. If you, uh, other cubs, a lot of them I'm sure make good ones too, but look for ones that look a lot more crackly on top. Mm-hmm. Um, all, I like that you put the chocolate frosting on it because that's so, my favorite. Right. And and they you can you can actually they also now make ones that are chocolate donut with glaze or with chocolate frosting to be even more chocolatey. Oh boy. Um, that's a or too the, much for me. Well, but or you know, so you can get you can get the 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 regular old fashioned that are just glazed. You can get the regular old fashioned that have the chocolate frosting. You can get the chocolate old fashioned with you know either option too. And they they're all good different ones and sometimes you happen upon just the right combination where oh they've put three of this and three of that in the same package so you get variety within that same six pack which is also delightful (laughs) well done Bravo, Bravo, my friends. So, excellent. (laughs) I'm so glad that you could give us something so specific. (laughs) What? (laughs) Glad and not surprised at all. I want want donuts. (laughs) Okay, it is time for Melissa and I's Pleasure Dome recommendations. Oh, Jesus, you you picked something. I I will, I will. (laughs) Okay. Um, My Pleasure Dome recommendation for this week, and I don't care when this comes out, I, I hope to God you've already discovered it, but if you have not, there is a new Tumblr out there that made... That made me so happy. That filled me with joy. The Tumblr is a Hey Girl Tumblr. (laughs) Right? We all know about Hey Girl with Ryan Gosling. Right? The Hey Girl meme. Hey Girl thing. Yep. This is a Hey Girl Tumblr with Mad Max and Furiosa. Yeah. And so it's Mad Max like, hey girl, I had this idea, but... You're in charge of everything, so I'm sure you're already in on top of that. Whatever you say goes. <laughs> hey, girl, I'm totally willing to be the base for your for your long range sniper rifle because I know you're a better shot. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. it's just so good. It's good. So I really encourage you to go find the Mad Max Hey Girl Tumblr. There's unfortunately it will you can click through all of them super fast because there's not enough of them yet. But they are delightful and wonderful, and I love them so much. Excellent, Melissa. What do you got? Well, last night I was I was at the Surly Brewery, <laughs> and you know, first of all, um, Surly makes good beer. Yeah, very mm-hmm. good beer. And if you go to their brewery, you can find a lot of their beer there, like more beer than I can usually find in liquor stores. I want to add yeah. to this after you. Yes. Or I can just talk about beer before you get to the other part you were going to talk about. Okay, please talk about is, beer. Okay. So um, I I am in the, I'm a, I flirt, I'm a home brewer, which is one of the things I forgot to say when you asked, what do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually didn't realize you were a home brewer. Yeah, I made, I brewed seven different kinds of beer for the wedding. 
Wow. Yeah. I missed out, man. Yeah, you did. God damn it, I was in Yeah, it. friends of mine had my phone. It was a fun wedding. Yeah, I, fri- I hear it was. Fr- my friend, friends of mine, Nick and Molly, had my phone for the ceremony so they could start and stop the music that we wanted to play. <laughs> and while they had my phone, they changed, uh, they changed Caitlin's name to an autocorrect for the old ball and chain. <laughs> O-L apostrophe. <laughs> and they changed wedding to booze party. <laughs> Anyway, yes, Team Glover. But so, um, but what I was going to say is that uh, I am, I, I, I work very hard not to be a beer snob. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I did craft brews. I am pretty sneery about what Caitlin refers to as race car beers, which is, if you can see the name of it on a race car, it's probably crappy beer. And that's generally yeah. true because it's true. Coors and Budweiser and all that. Surly help is, is one of the biggest breweries that really helped kind of lead the resurgence of uh, of you know microbreweries and craft brewing in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But I was delighted last night when I was also there for the same thing that you were when I saw the range of beers that they make, and I went, "Oh my God, they make beers that I want to drink because most of the stuff that is n- that they're known for." Yeah, that is that they can and put out in stores, or that you find on tap locally, is the very hop forward stuff, yes. furious and the things like that. Su- super hoppy, and very I am happy. Yeah, there, and, there's and dear listeners, if you you're not living in Surly territory, they even can one called overrated where they go we'll just be really obnoxious with hops like even yeah. more hops so many hops and they and they <laughs> called it overrated because there are a lot of beer people who say well surly's i mean they're okay but they're overrated because they got yeah. so much attention yeah um and so i was delighted i had a dunkel mm-hmm. and then i had a that dunkel's the great. dunkel is great and then i had what's called just their mild which mm-hmm. is a, a session brown ale mm-hmm. and it's a, considered a session beer because it's lighter on the abv on the alcohol mm-hmm. and i loved both of them yeah and i was like this is great. Why don't they get some more of these out into the store so there's a little more variety that's not just all the punch you in the face hops. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, yeah. going no, back to I, I, really excellent. And yeah. I, but I was also going to say Surly Brewery has good food. They do. They do. Mm-hmm. They had they had a charcuterie board. <laughs> oh. Yeah. They had they had a board they they brought out and set in front of myself and Jerry Bellich. We, Why so often when you're doing things that are questionable is Jerry there? Yeah, <laughs> because we we're like chocolate and peanut butter of mischief, <laughs> and and it was this board covered in like Braunschweiger and 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 meats of all sorts, and oh oh that was good. <laughs> so, dear listeners, if you get a chance to visit the Surly Brewery, it is an experience. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So even those... if you even if you don't drink. It's an experience. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've heard yeah. that repeatedly. That yeah. mm-hmm. Surly Brewing Company is just a good place to hang out, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So right. uh, those are our Pleasure Dome recommendations for the week. Yay. Yeah. Yay. So listeners, I mm, I don't know. You take it. I don't know. All right. <laughs> I can try and take it. Oh, let's see what happens. Please do. Go for it. So, listeners, you've been listening to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Uh, This this week's guest was Eric Knight, and uh, your hosts, of course, are Melissa Kersher and Wendy Bowlesby. Yay! Yay! What else do you usually say at the end? Is that it? Uh, That's about it. Well, we've never had a guest do it. That's exciting. (laughs) This is our first. (laughs) This is amazing. That was so cool. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) 
Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Side note, hashtag, hash browns, side note. (laughs) Okay.